Let's turn in our pew Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 27 through 34. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 34. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1510. 1510. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 34. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on his son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought, brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it find mercy from the Son of David. Nothing raises a child's expectations more than the, the, the approach of Christmas. December comes, the, the, the tree goes up, and Christmas carols are being sung at, at church, and, and the child knows what is coming. Presents. Right? Their, 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 their hopes are high because they, they are anticipating something good. In the first century, expectations were also high as the, as the Jewish people were, were looking for the, the messianic king to come and rescue them. For God had promised to his people that the, the son of David would establish an eternal kingdom. Just like that child at, at Christmas time, they were anticipating something good. In the past few weeks, we have not only seen Christ perform some amazing miracles, but we have also seen Jesus challenge the notion of what people would expect from the Messiah. For instance, when, when a paralytic was brought before him, Jesus made the claim that he had had authority on earth to forgive sins. This, this assertion of his didn't sit well with the teachers of the law as they said, this fellow is blaspheming. Then, after the, after the calling of Matthew, Jesus went and dined at, at Matthew's table, eating with tax collectors and sinners. This upset both the Pharisees and the, the disciples of John. You see, the, the, the Pharisees desired a Messiah that would look like them. 
One, one who would separate themselves from the ungodly and bring order to Israel through the use of God's law. For John's disciples, they were, they were not expecting God's kingdom to arrive until the Messiah had brought about his judgment. This is why they were fasting and in, and in a constant state of mourning for the desired repentance from all of Israel. And for both of these groups, they, they imagined that the, that the kingdom that was to come would mean a defeat of, the, of their Roman oppressors. And yet here, we, we see this Jesus offering forgiveness to sinners and calling tax collectors to follow him. He, he proclaimed that the, that the bridegroom had arrived and that the kingdom was already upon them. It wasn't a time to fast or to mourn, but to, but to celebrate. For the, the mercy of the Father was available to all who repent and trust in his Messiah. And then last week, we saw that Christ's authority extends beyond the grave as he raised a dead daughter back to life. Just as people were beginning to question him and his messianic claims, the dead had been raised and, and the people had a renewed fervor about this Jesus, this man who claimed to be the son of man, the one who would bring about God's everlasting kingdom. And Matthew attests to this fervor in chapter 9, verse 26. Here's what he says. News of this this being the raising of the dead girl, spread through all that region. This resurrection of sorts got people talking. The atmosphere was electric, and the buzz was all about Jesus. Which leads into our text for today. Look at verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus had just, just left this, uh, this house of that synagogue ruler after having raised his daughter from the dead. And most likely he, he, he was now being sworn by those who, who heard the good news. Now, picture this scene. Here are these, these two men trying to get Christ's attention. But being blind, they, could, they couldn't exactly approach him with the crowd surrounding him. And so they were crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David! Have mercy on us, son of David! It wasn't too long ago that we heard Jesus saying to the Pharisees, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Instead of being outwardly religious and showing no compassion towards the downtrodden, God desires a people who will lift up the lowly and help those in need. And here we see two of the lowliest men calling out, for mercy. And to whom were they crying out to? The son of David. 
We've reached a point in Matthew's Gospel where this kingly theme is becoming abundantly clear. Think about it. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said that he had come not to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them, what was he doing? He was laying out, laying out God's law, giving his authoritative interpretation as if he were the one who had originally written it in the first place. This is why the, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And that authority carried over into Christ's ministry as he demonstrated dominion over disease, over the demonic, over the wind and the waves, and even death itself. And then he donned for himself that title, the, the Son of Man that, that we get from the book of Daniel. It's a picture of that divine, kingly figure who would come riding on the clouds. And using that title, he claimed authority on earth to forgive sins. Something only God can do. What Matthew is doing here is he is building up the building upon the expectation of the reader. If you remember way, 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 way back, when we looked at the first verse of Matthew's gospel, he, he laid before us this claim of who Jesus is that he is this messianic king, the son of David. Look at Matthew 1, verse 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Like a tea kettle that's ready to, to blow its top, this, this expression of these two blind men, son of of David. It's like that whistle of steam that, that wakes you up, allowing, allowing the tension to relieve itself. The excitement surrounding Jesus was, was full tilt. So when these men cry out, Son of David, what they are proclaiming is what everyone else was thinking, that Jesus is the Messiah. But how does Jesus react to all of this? Look at our next verse. Look at verse 28. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. Now, there is a lot that one could take from these verses. The fact that Jesus challenged the faith of these men. The fact that these men truly believed that Jesus was able to heal them. The fact that Jesus once again provided healing through the means of physical touch. But the main emphasis that Matthew wants the reader to see lies in the fact that Jesus went indoors. You see, Jesus knew that that messianic talk was at a fevered pitch. And he desired to dampen these messianic expectations. But here are these two blind men calling him the son of David, begging for mercy. To heal these men in public would only increase the expectations. But 
but to heal them indoors would prevent the crowd from witnessing a fulfillment of messianic prophecy. This is what we read earlier in, in Isaiah 35. Look at, look at what verse 5 says. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. The blind receiving sight was an explicit sign that the kingdom of God had arrived. This is why Jesus took them inside, and it's why he warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. Knows about what? Knows about them being healed? Think about that for a moment. How are these two men supposed to hide the fact that they can now see? It's impossible, isn't it? What is Jesus getting at here? In the Gospel of Mark, we, we find the story of Jesus commanding a demon to be silent. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as, their, as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that, that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. When Jesus told the demon to be quiet, it wasn't because he didn't like the sound of the demon's voice. No. Jesus said to be silent because of something specific that the demon said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This wicked spirit knew that Jesus was a Messiah and he was blabbing it to everyone there. Now why in the world would Jesus want to hide the fact that he is the Messiah? Shouldn't he be desiring for people to believe in him? It's all about the timing. What you have to understand was that, was that the Jews of this time were in a constant readiness for the Messiah to come. And, and with the arrival of the Messiah, there were certain expectations. One of which was to free them from the Romans. But the kingdom that Christ was delivering was not of this world. What the people wanted and what Jesus was delivering were not the same thing. They wanted a man like Moses or like David, someone who would deliver them from their earthly oppressors. Christ was bringing a different type of deliverance, a rescue from sin, death, and the devil. Jesus knew the hearts of men, and that if they got wind that he was a Messiah, then they would try to make him king by use of force. 
The time for him to explicitly reveal himself had not yet come. And so he warned these two men to be silent. Not about the healing, mind you, but about what they knew to be true. That Jesus is the son of David. Whether or not they took Jesus' warning to heart and kept his identity a secret, we can't be certain. Look at verse 31. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. These men had been touched by Jesus, and as a result, they, they proclaimed the mercy that had been given to them. Let me ask you, in what ways has the touch of Jesus freed you? And if you have been freed by Jesus, if you have experienced his mercy, does this motivate you to share the good news with those around you? Let's continue on with our story and see what happens next. Look at verse 32. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and, and could not talk was brought to Jesus. When the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Again, we see fulfillment to, to promises in Isaiah 35. We just have to look at the next verse. Look at verse, what verse 6 says. Then, the lame, then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Instead of being in a private room, Jesus demonstrated his next act of kingly kindness publicly. And he does so by exercising this demon that had caused this man to be voiceless. This miracle was a clear indication that the kingdom had arrived and that the king was in their midst. The question was, did the people understand what this meant? Sure, the, the crowds were amazed. They, they said that nothing like this had, had, had ever been seen in Israel. But were they putting the dots together? The dead had been raised. The eyes of the blind had been opened. And now the, 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 the mute tongue shouted for joy. It makes you wonder if, if these people were reciting in their minds Isaiah 35. Particularly verse 10, which reads this. And the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Would they enter Zion, the, the, the city of David, Jerusalem? with gladness and joy. Would this be what they were expecting? But not everyone was filled with excitement. Look at our last verse, verse 34. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. These Pharisees knew all too well the danger that Jesus was stirring. 
They had seen the claims of Messiah before, taken, taken by misguided zealots and false prophets. And they had seen the Romans crush these messianic hopes by use of the sword. Now maybe if, if Jesus was just more like them, maybe then they would have followed him. Perhaps they could get behind what he was doing. I mean, after all, he was fulfilling prophecy and, and doing things that no one else could do. They couldn't deny the blind receiving sight and the demon being cast out of this mute man who now spoke again. The evidence of Jesus fulfilling prophecy was too overwhelming to just brush aside. In other words, Jesus, he, he checked off all the boxes. It was evident that he was the son of David. And these Pharisees, they knew it. But he wasn't like them. And so they had to give a response. These men who, who knew the scriptures the best were the ones who were truly blind. For in their, their unbelief, they accused Jesus of being on the side of the devil. These Pharisees were playing a dangerous, dangerous game. And we'll see that later on in Matthew's Gospel. But, but what they're demonstrating to us is the difference between faith and wicked hearts. Dear friends, Jesus demands a response. He is a polarizing figure. There are those who, who, who look at this man and they see the son of David. They see God becoming man and rescuing them from their sins. They see the one who brings mercy to them. But then there are those who are opposed to his message. It doesn't matter the evidence that is placed before them. They will not believe, for they have hardened their hearts and have suppressed the truth. Jesus demands a response. How will you respond? Do you believe that he is this son of David? That he gives sight to the blind and can make the mute speak? That, that they, these things that he does, that they point to the fact that his kingdom has already come? And that, and that through the cross he brings to you freedom? Freedom from your sins that are washed away by his blood? Do you believe this? And if you do, does this cause you to praise his name and to proclaim the good news to the world around you? It should. But perhaps you're more like these Pharisees. You have denied the truth and have rejected the Messiah because he's not what you expected. He's not the Jesus that you want him to be. Maybe you read your Bible and, and you don't like what you find there. Maybe you say to yourself, I would never worship a God like that. So you reject this Messiah as someone 
who is evil. This is the, the, the danger that these Pharisees were succumbing to. They, they were closing themselves off from the kingdom that was before them. Friends, don't let the same thing happen to you. Do not harden your heart. Repent and, and trust in Him. Put your faith in this Son of David, for He is good and He is worthy of all of your praise. And His kingdom has come upon you. He has delivered mercy to you. Let us pray. Father, your son demands a response. He has put a fork in our road. And we can either believe and turn to him or we can reject him in our own stubbornness. Help us to, to see his goodness. Fill us with your, with your Holy Spirit that we might cry out, Son of David, have mercy upon us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.